Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. This call is being recorded. This call is being recorded. Talk shoe live. <laughs> I just said to Perch, it's not talk shoe anymore. Uh, and he, he said I didn't care because he, he, it's always talk shoe to him. And uh, we are always the Steeler Care Podcast. I'm always Bradshaw to Ben, your host. Um, even after debacles like last week, which frank, frankly don't happen all that often in Steelers, your, uh, it's been like, uh, 30 years or something since the Steelers got a loss like that. Uh, but they all only count as one, thank God. And uh, here to talk about last week, I'll give you the floor first, is Steel Perch. How are you, sir? I'm doing better than uh, our beloved black and gold football team. Yeah, and how. Uh, not just that they have problems, but it's not necessarily like problems you can shake it off. But, hey, we were talking this way in 2008 after the Philly game, too. So, um, yeah, last what's your take on Eagles it? Kick, yeah, last time the Eagles kicked the Steelers' ass, they went on and won the Super Bowl. So, if you want to uh, skew it positive, uh, we can we can try and play that uh, angle at it. Well, was this just was this just a perfect storm, or or was it uh, more a function of uh, the Steelers' weaknesses exposed, or they didn't really have film on this rookie quarterback? Like, what exactly would you say happened here? Well, I think it's probably twofold. Uh, one, uh, they can't seem to figure out Jim Schwartz' defenses. I mean, he's kicked their ass a number of times. I think that the set I saw, they're one in five in their last six games against him. Uh, so that's a problem. Two, this team's got a couple fatal flaws that really, really stuck out like a sore thumb, really in the second half of that game. I mean, the score was as bad as it was. It didn't really get out of control until the Steelers went down uh, that second touchdown after the half, and then they completely abandoned their offensive game plan, got rid of the run, became one-dimensional, and things just snowballed and went to hell. But, um, you know, looking at the Steelers and their major issues, number one issue in the Pittsburgh Steelers, there is absolutely zero pass rush. And what I mean by that is there's nobody who can beat a block. There's nobody that the opponent looks at. If you're self-scouting and saying, hey, we really got to account for this guy, there's nobody on the Steelers that you think, man, this guy might kick our tackle's ass, this guy might kick our guard's ass. Nobody. Uh, you know, Hayward and, and Tewitt have, have some skill, but, you know, when there are two guys on, on the inside getting double teamed every time because people feel pretty confident that they can solo block our edge rushers with a tackle or a tight end or running back, you, you can kind of negate those guys pretty easily. You know, the second big issue is the secondary doesn't cover particularly well, uh, so the team kind of schemes to help them by – you know, putting extra guys in coverage and playing zone. The second problem with the secondary is the young guys can't tackle for shit. I mean, Burns and Davis are, are liabilities trying to tackle somebody. So if you've got to give guys extra help back there to, you know, to cover, and then people just throw quick screens and they can't tackle, okay, that's fatal flaw number two. I think the third problem is number two receiver. Uh, just outside of Antonio Brown, who scares you? And not just receivers, tight ends, running backs, there's nobody in the passing game uh, for the players we've had the first three weeks that'll change a little bit with Le- Le'Veon Bell back and 
if Ladarius Green ever, you know, heals from his injury, uh, that can change. But there, other than Sammy Coates going deep one-on-one, nobody's really been any sort of threat whatsoever. And the fourth issue is the tight ends can't block. And they're not a threat in the passing game, and they're just, you know, if you were self-scouting and, and got a game plan for the Steelers, you'd spend less than a minute worrying about the Steelers' tight ends. I mean, they're that that pedestrian is what they are. So uh, when that, you look at the other Eagles, than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, but, you know, if you if you look at what the Eagles have and do well, they've got, you know, pass rushers in spades, three, four guys that, uh, you know, Fletcher Cox on the interior and all the edge rush guys they have that really can make a, ta- a good tackle uh, look bad. Brandon Graham made Marcus Gilbert look bad a couple times, and Marcus Gilbert, I think, is, you know, one of the top five right tackles in football. Um, you know, and they've got some better cover guys than we do, and, and their offensive game plan was perfect, and the Steelers just couldn't tackle. You know, I don't think it was Car- – you know, Carson Wentz had a good game, but it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't really him throwing downfield to receivers to beat the Steelers a whole, whole lot. It was probably 200 of his 300 yards were, you know, after uh, – run after catch, throw a quick bubble screen or uh, a dump off to the running back, and the guy busted for 50. So either either yeah, throw wide open guys or or the last touchdown of the game, he actually was a very nice throw. But for the most part, everything was behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, yeah, for the most part. And you know, when he had to throw, he did. When he had to use his mobility to scramble to extend it, which I talked about a lot. You know, uh, the first couple games that I saw him play leading up to the Steelers game on the podcast last week, what really impressed me was like a young Ben. He scrambles and keeps his eyes down the field, looking to kill you with the big play. You know, he's mobile and athletic enough to escape. He doesn't panic under pressure. He looks downfield. He hits the receiver and lets the receiver, you know, uh, turn a busted play into something great. And that's uh, very impressive of him. Uh, he, he had a good game, but like I said, he was probably the 10th factor in why the Eagles won that game. But, uh, sure. yeah, so that's it. So what happens this week? Do the Steelers bounce back and rebound? And, you know, they picked up seven injuries in the game. And <laughs> it, it scares you a little bit looking at this week uh, just from a personnel standpoint. And none of those injuries were really particularly like you could just completely shrug it off. Um, you know, one thing I noticed, I noticed, well, two things, one on each side of the ball. First on offense last week, that uh, when Ramon Foster left the game, I think they, the Steelers uh, got over, they got preoccupied with helping B.J. Finney uh, and, and they left David DeCastro on an island with the guy that, you know, even under Castro's best day, a bull rusher like Fletcher Cox, who's an A-list talent, that's a bad matchup for DeCastro anyway, but they, they, they kind of uh, refused to give him any help and they kept trying to help Finney, who didn't seem to be really having any trouble uh, on the other side. So I think maybe that was a little bit of an overreaction to Finney coming in um, that didn't help at all because he ended up, Fletcher Cox ended up with, you know, two sacks, two hits, two pressures in a very condensed period of time. Um, not, a, you know, not really great. Um, secondly, uh, the, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, and this is an issue that you started talking about, his, his mobility really hurt us because uh, we don't really have guys that can pursue with him. Even, even if normally you'd have Shazir spy him, Shazir right in the beginning of the game tweaks his knee again, looks like he's not moving at 100%. And then you have, you know, basically you have James Harrison, Jarvis Jones, um, you know, even, even Chiquillo, none, none of those guys, and, and uh, Moats, none of those guys are really – pursuit guys who are going to hunt you down if you try to roll out um you know they're they're all kind of slow to get off and and 
you know, there's no real danger of uh, the quarterback taking a big hit if he tries to use his mobility. Just seems like our pass rush is, you know, a little bit in quicksand. And then even worse, if the quarterback adjusts the target point, then they have no place to go. You know, they're, they're not, they're stuck there. He moves, he's got a big play. And it seemed like he, Seems like Carson Wentz did that repeatedly in the game. Yeah, let me uh, talk about David DeCastro a little bit. I mean, I, going back to whenever he was at Stanford, I don't think you'll find a better, a bigger David DeCastro fan than me. Uh, big supporter of the guy. I think he's an outstanding guard. That was the worst game by a Steelers guard in about five years. He gave up three sacks in that game. Gave up the blocked field goal that changed momentum in the game. Came right up over his gap. And he had a holding call late in the game, too. I mean, he just got absolutely manhandled. Um, that's a problem for the amount of money the Steelers pay the guys of the three guys on the right side of the line. Those guys got dominated. Uh, and that's, it's, it's scary, you know, to think that, hey, we've got that much money invested in these guys and they're not as good as, as the A guys on, on uh, some, some defenses we're going to face. So that's, uh, they've got to get something corrected there. You know, tip yeah. your hat to Fletcher Cox. He's one of the you know five or ten best uh, interior pass rushers in the game. But I mean, that was just an absolute domination. And when you're a, an All Pro, you should never get dominated. You may lose a battle here and there. You should never get dominated. He got dominated. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it would have been uh, unexpected for him to you know to, for Fletcher Cox to make a few plays. But there was a, there was a period there where once Cox smelled blood in the water, he was just you know like at that point he ramped it up, seemed like even more. Um, just thinking, you know, like I got this guy, if I get under his pads, I'm walking him back every time. And that, you know, that's no way to run an offense. It sort of feels like, you know, we've, we've forgotten, we've been getting, you know, it actually goes to show you that our interior, uh, the lack of interior pressure from, from teams has really improved a lot, um, you know, for the Steelers offense. And that's one of the reasons that their <laughs> offense is starting to go a little bit. This takes you back to the era where, you know, there's, there's guys pushing the pocket up the middle uh, over and over again, and that you know, it's just that that will stop any NFL quarterback, even Ben. Um, so this this has to get corrected. I mean, I'd almost be willing to say that Don Terry Poe is a better matchup for a guy like DeCastro because he doesn't have, quite have the quickness that Cox has. But you know, they're both guys that are going to be a real challenge for somebody. Uh, yeah, hey, FC, you're, are, you, are you with us over there? I am. <laughs> oh. Uh, go ahead, Perch, and then I'll I'll, uh, I'll give the floor to FC. I was just going to say B.J. Finney versus Don Terry Post scares the daylights out of me a little bit too. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, although he, I I thought he acquitted himself pretty well last week, uh, but but yeah, that's a you know that's a bit of an issue. Uh, FC, we were torn whether whether or not we should try to forget last week or or uh, Perch says he wants to like uh, immerse himself in it for the next hour and a half, but. Uh, <laughs> At any rate, with us on the show, FC, how are you, sir? Good, how are you? Yeah, I'm here. I'm alive. I'm trying to get through the weeks. So, you know, Sunday can't come fast enough. Last week, it couldn't come fast enough because I was enjoying the season. This week can't come fast enough so I can forget and that my phone won't show me 3 to 34 every time I put the word Steelers in something. Um, exactly. What's What's your take on, I, I you know, was it, was it, uh, was it DeCastro? Was it uh, the Steelers' injuries? Was it the Steelers' lack of speed on the edge? Was it uh, Jim Schwartz? Was it a little bit of everything? What happened for the Steelers' perfect storm? Um, I, anybody that is, I'm, uh, it's Steelers fans, there's concerns, um, at least from my viewpoint. 
Um, you know, if this was one week for DeCastro, if he had one bad game, yeah. He was just as bad versus the Bengals. I, I mean, it, it may not have stood out and been as obvious, but he was very bad against the Bengals. And I have a feeling he's going to catch a fucking beating again this week um, from Don Terry Pell. I honestly have never been a fan, and I never will be a huge fan of David DeCastro. Um, I think he's very average. I think the Steelers way overpaid for him. He's the third highest paid offensive guard. I didn't like him when, personally when we drafted him. Um, I think that 24, 25 teams passed on him for a reason. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, um, sorry, you think a lot of teams passed on him for a reason. I know a lot of people are. And I'm just not one of those people. Um, we'll move on to the other thing. This was the first game. The, it's obvious how much we're going to miss Martinez Bryant um, with this offense. Um, it's Antonio Brown, you know, 13 catches, I believe. Now I understand of them, a lot of them came in garbage time, but uh, we really didn't have any other option out there to throw the ball to. Um, I think the game was probably lost in the first quarter, in the first half of the first quarter, when we had the field goal blocked and then Marcus Wheaton dropped the touchdown pass. In the end zone, ball him squaring the numbers. Um, there ain't no getting around that. Um, just there were a lot of ugliness. Uh, <coughs> Lawrence Stevens, highest paid inside linebacker in history of the NFL this year, making $16 million. That's the highest that an inside linebacker has ever been paid a single season in the NFL. Warren Ray Lewis, and more than anybody, $16 million a year for one season is the most that an inside linebacker has ever made in the NFL. Are we getting value for our dollars? Now I understand we renegotiated and we pushed the money. Yeah, we this... pushed the money. We pushed the money. But sixteen million bucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a lot of dough. Um, you know, and the thing is, the I don't even think that they he's necessarily in their plans to stay uh, beyond this year. But you know, they actually that's there's a good talking point. You know, it feels like. The Steelers have two guys on defense right now who are starting for them that we don't expect to be here next year, that they're kind of, you know, roll, they're playing out the string. And even the team, you know, doesn't – they don't even seem to be in a position where they really have the heir apparent on the roster and they just have these, you know – typically you'd have this situation where you have these veterans who are near the end of their contract and you have new guys who are ready to step into their spots. But it just feels like Jarvis Jones and, and uh, Lawrence Timmons are now guys where we don't really have a plan for what happens when they're gone. Better find one quick. Yeah. Yeah, on the, uh, I'll talk about that for a second. You know, I was just reading something today. Usually it takes a first-round pass rusher until about their third year before they really develop a primary and secondary pass rush move. And, and, you know, if you track it across history, until they really become a dominant pass rusher. The Steelers can't afford to go out and get a, a first-round edge rusher and wait to develop him for three years. It's kind of what they're doing with the, uh, the guys they have now, but they almost need to make a big splash in, in the free agency. I don't even know who might be out there, but they've got to find an edge rush guy somehow, some way in the offseason that's established. Uh, I don't know how they're going to do that or who's going to be out there or if they'll have the money for it, but that's about the only option looking at the end of Ben's career, those next three or four years where he's still in his prime. They've got to find a way to find just an instantaneous boost to the pass rush because it's probably Harrison's last year. Jarvis Jones isn't the answer. Moats isn't the answer. 
maybe Dupree might be, but you've got to find another guy there. It's, it's real, real interesting to see what they do. Yeah, and it, you know, they, last year was the year. It seemed like there were a lot of guys available last year, you know, with varying degrees of uh, how expensive their price tag was or the upsides and downsides with them. But it, was, it feels like there was at least a guy. Like, I'm, I'm not even the biggest fan of a guy like Chandler Jones, but Chandler Jones probably was affordable for them and probably yeah. would be the best guy they have now. just doesn't make any sense to not even try to bring well, a guy well, yeah, like that if you're a stat guy, there are 48 players in the league, 48 players that have more sacks than the entire Steelers defense. 48 players have more sacks through three games than, than the entire defense does. <laughs> That's this, uh, it's unheard of. And really, the only sack they have is, wasn't a sack. It was a, a busted, uh, busted play where the quarterback got tackled at the line. It should have been a run for zero yards instead of a sack. So yeah, it, it wasn't just, even a yeah. guy that ru- it wasn't even a guy that rushed the passer. He was uh, Moats was in coverage and he came up and touched the quarterback, fell in front of him, and he put his hand on him. You know, that's our sack. It, uh, long gone. Long gone. The days in, of- in the league have one and a half sacks or better. Forty-eight. You know, if you it's just unbelievable. All right, so, you know, better question, um, you know, instead of just complaining about it, FC, at this point, um, you are the coaches and the GM uh, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. You have everybody in the room. What are we going to do to solve this problem in 2016? Oh, I'd rather be the honor. First thing I do is I fire Kevin Colbert. Second thing I, t- I do is I tell uh, Mike Tomlin if he wants to keep his job, he has absolutely zero personal control, and I hire a GM that has run – you know, that success, a track record, you know, in either, you know, college or pro personnel. Period. I mean, I have a, I have a clear, you know, I, I might make Con the president. I have a, I bring a guy that runs personnel and I tell Mike Tomlin, I'd be like, look, you know, you, you've had all the pieces to win a championship. You, you got it done once with Bill Cowher's team. You're, you lost the ability. I, I, I'm not buying into your defensive vision of this mixture of concepts, this hodgepodge. You know, let's throw sh- shit against the wall and see if it sticks. Just not happening. So uh, that's what I would start off with. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I'm admittedly, I'm not quite that that down on what they're doing. Uh, but you know, that's like they, like any team, in certain play. areas, there's certain Sunday, areas where they're really. Go ahead. Even to it play on Sunday. Did Langford play on Sunday? Let me put it this way. I wasn't a huge fan of his work ethic. I'm not a big fan of, uh, of, of, of the Gravedigger. He's a one double A player that hustles a lot that is overmatched at the NFL level so far. Yeah, well, apparently he's, he hasn't shown up on the injury report since, the, since just before the first week. But, um, I mean, apparently the story is that he's less than 100%, but who knows, you know. Um, you never know, especially with the guy making a jump in talent like that. If it's, if it's going to click for him or it isn't, but maybe, maybe but yeah, he hasn't. Like that. Brian Chazier has for thirty-two percent of his NFL plays to date this season. I'm kind yeah. of I mean, did you? Th- well, let me ask you a question. Do you did you think Ryan Chazier was an injury-prone player and in like that shouldn't have been drafted? I don't. I mean, I laugh, I laugh at the people that that laughed at uh, the, the 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 few people that said that they had concerns with uh, his frame and his body and uh, his injury history. So yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I I wasn't a fan. 
I think you're half right on that. I don't think he had a significant injury history in college, but you're dead right on the frame and the those fast switch guys like that. I mean, it's like a sports car; they're going to break down more. And if you're playing a physical contact sport and you're built like a greyhound, <laughs> it's you know it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. But in Ohio State, I think most Ohio State fans tell you he held up pretty well. Uh, so I, I partially agree and partially disagree with you on that. But yeah, you're you're right though. I mean, anytime you get a guy with that sort of frame who's built more like a track guy or, you know, like a greyhound, and you put him an inside linebacker, you're sure. bound to, to have some issues right. like that. And the the way that Ohio State used them, I mean, versus how the Steelers are using them, right. you know, it's right. the, the, just completely different roles. Well, and talk about, talk about that, actually. It, uh, educate me, because I'm not really sure how different his role is. Oh, at, at Ohio State, uh, uh, basically Shazier played a glorified star or an extra strong safety position. Or if you want to really go outside the box, you can say that he was an extreme uh, cover two linebacker or like a weak side linebacker under cover two. He was never asked to take on a blocker. He was um, put in positions to run free to the ball, basically an everyday prayer to roll in, in a defense. He was the guy that they schemed for, you know, just to – play in space and the chase place to make plays in space, which is a strength of his game. Whenever you ask him to diagnose, whenever you ask him to engage and beat something, he can't do it. It's just it's not something he can do. He can run around the block. He can, you know, attack a gap. If you ask him to beat a block or you ask him to diagnose a play, he can't do it. He's never going to be, you know, confused with a Chris Spielman or a Borland or a Ray Lewis or a Jack Lambert or a James Ferrier. He's never going to be confused with those types of players. It's just not what he is. What he is, he's a guy that is schemed for to put in the space and to chase and attack. He's a more of a Derek Brooks. Derek Brooks learned to take on blockers, but it took him about 10 years in the NFL before he became a strength of his game. Now, will Ryan Chazier develop? Possibly. He ain't going to develop in the Pittsburgh Steelers uniform unless they can decide to be do the same thing they did with Lawrence Timmons, completely overpay for very mediocre performance. You cannot, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll put it this way. Right now, I would I would give up a second-round pick for to, to, to draft C.J. Mosley. I would take C.J. Mosley and give up an extra fucking second just to have C.J. Mosley on the roster and not Ryan Shazier. And I don't give a rat's ass what any Steeler fan thinks. <laughs> I, I don't. I watched C.J. Mosley last week make four or five of the most outstanding plays I've seen this year in the NFL. One-handed interception, beat a double team to make a tackle for loss to secure a win. He's a fantastic football player. Ryan Shazier couldn't carry his fucking jockstrap. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's easy to get enamored with the guy's flash, uh, and you know when it, when a guy when a guy flashes big play potential, but it's you know ultimately you, you can't build your team around guys who can't play. I mean, who are, aren't actually they don't have the best kind of ability. Availability. (laughs) You mean like Martavis Bryant, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Ryan Shazier, Bud Dupree, Golson? Point early in his career. Even now, I mean, you you pretty much expect him to get hurt a game or two. I mean, look at you know just the the first two picks from last year. I mean, how many games have we got out of those guys? I've supported Mike Tomlin through thick and thin. I have been an advocate for him. On if there isn't some sort of improvement, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing the thing is, there ha- you know there, you would think that they have they still have pieces to make it work, but man, it really is like I I don't 
I'm not sure. Does Mike Tom? I don't think I know enough about the NFL and the way the teams work to say Mike Tomlin is the guy that really pushed to sign Ladarius Green, and he's the one that signed off on his medicals, and he's the one that that really, you know, they, everyone advised against it, and he's you know pounded the table for the guy. Like I have no idea, right? So to me, there's a it seems like there's a whole group of people who are paid to do exactly that to vet the guy in every way before you spend the money to bring or you know the time to even to bring him in or else why bother you know just having a tyrant at the top who makes choices doesn't really sound like the Steelers way and even though it may have been his idea and he may be the one that really pushed it it doesn't mean that that uh you know he he, people couldn't have said hey look you know there's a there's a big risk with this guy we have to have a backup plan and so on and so forth you know not to say that he could necessarily block a whole lot better than the guys that we're playing right now, but I, you know, it does feel like his presence offers you so much of a threat in the passing game that it's almost like he takes a blocker away. Um, but, you know, ifs and buts were candies and nuts, it'd be a hell of a Christmas. Um, still, FC, with all of that, you didn't really answer my question. With where we are right now, not the mistakes of the past, how do we fix a pass rush problem? I mean, do we do we do we try to find somebody who's a you know who's a vet free agent to come in as a as a wave rusher? Do we do we try to sign a young player player away from somewhere else? Do we make a trade? What is it that How you is think that is going? If 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 before we made some made that horrible deal to extend David DeCastro, I would say that it's a lot easier to find an average rate guard, which David DeCastro is. I would say let DeCastro walk. Spend that money plus what you're getting from Timmons off the books on a pass rusher, but you limited your options by overpaying for a mediocre player in-house. So you're going to have to probably do it through the draft, or you're going to get a middle-of-the-road free agent that didn't work out for another team. So we're going to take on another team's problems. I don't really see an answer outside the draft. Yeah, let me run this one past you real quick. So what they're doing now, Hayward and Tewitt are, are in the middle, basically both getting double teamed because nobody respects our edge rush guys. If we got Moats on one side and Jervis on the other, teams are very confident they can block those guys with a tackle, a tight end, a running back, whatever. They sure. double our big dudes in the inside. Sure. Why don't they put Tewitt and Hargrave as your defensive tackles to, to rush in the middle, up the middle? Have Hayward play a defensive end position where he rushes and put James Harrison on the other side. So I'm talking about nickel-dime packages, those four guys hand down on the dirt and, and have them sick them. I think that's our four best guys talent-wise who can go after and create some havoc on the line and beat blocks one-on-one, where if you see those four guys out there, you know, I think it and Hargrave in the middle, a pretty good chance one of those guys is going to collapse the pocket or, or you know be slimy enough to get uh, through the line and, and flush the quarterback. Hayward one on one with a, with an offensive tackle, I think you know he's gonna he's gonna win a lot of battles. And Harrison, at the very least, is gonna you know uh, dip under his guy and, and, and collapse the pocket and push the guy out and flush him. I mean that's what I want to see. I don't want to see fucking moats out there. I mean nobody does. Nobody wants to see Jervis out there. And then you put would... your. I'm sorry, good. Yeah, I just just what I was gonna say is basically your two best defensive linemen or, or you know rushers would, would be Tuit and Hayward. But when they're both in the middle together and you've got no talent on the outside, they're both taking on a double team. And the other guys are getting blocked so low and there's no pressure. Just kick Hayward over like he played at Ohio State. He was basically a 4-3 defensive end and he caused a lot of havoc. I'd like I to see him try that a little bit. 
I would prefer the kid that we brought in from San Diego, number 90, with the real long drive. Ricardo Matthews. Oh, yeah. Uh, Ricardo Matthews, actually, over Hargraves. But um, that, that's neither here nor there. Yeah, I'm with you. That, that would be thinking outside the box or trying something new. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, even through Hayward and Matthews on the edges, even. You know, sure. just have those Absolutely. four big, nasty dudes go and, and go get it. I, I do not disagree with that. I'm, I, I'll put it this way. I... James Harrison is, without a doubt, our best outside linebacker, and that should really not understand Bud Dupree's injured, but that's saying something. I mean, it's yeah, it's ter- it's a travesty, is what it is. We've been talking about this just like we were talking about the move tight end and a big re- big wide receiver to complement Antonio Brown and all this other stuff that we talk about. For it takes like three years before they break through and like consider it act- an actual problem. Uh, but you know this this thing with the pass rushers, with the ed- especially the edge. Rushers is just Did we it's, tell you what it's insane. Me insane more than than the pass rush. Why don't we run inside zone again? Inside zone again. Inside zone again. The Steelers ran inside zone nine times. It was they ran the same inside freaking weak zone play nine times. Whenever yeah. you 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 could not get a win from your center who doesn't really take a beating that he should because Marquise Pouncey is every bit as bad as David DeCastro has been, but it just hasn't stood out as much. And I mean, I understand that that's Ramon Foster. Actually, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit humiliated about this, but he actually was solid whenever he was in there. He was the best. He was the best lineman they had in the game. I looked at every one of his snaps. Yeah. I wouldn't disagree with that. The wave actually wasn't that bad either. If you can believe that. Yeah, true enough. But I mean, okay. So my, you you say they're going to run that same zone play inside, inside and it wasn't inside working. Zone. To me, the strength of those two guys, like basically, if you make Pouncey and DeCastro interior players who don't get to use their mobility, and they're playing against bigger guys, you know, stronger guys, they're going to get beat. So to me, what they can do is get outside, move. You know, they have the mobility to go and run outside zone or to run uh, trap plays and so on and so forth. And and it's like we get. We get to this thing where, you know, we we pass a lot and have some success with it. And they know they want to mix it up so they don't get so, you know, uh, one-dimensional passing with football that they feel like they have to sprinkle some runs in and they're not necessarily targeted or changing, poking, probing with different kinds of runs. Or alternatively, like we're going to see on Sunday, they're going to give you every running play that they have in their, in their whole book and not really throw the football very much. You know, sort of like we don't – never feel like there's this – calculated plan of attack that can adjust and you know somebody's thinking the whole time after every play like what did they see what can we do how do we work off this build to the next thing or the next thing which you i feel like you see whenever you watch a really great offensive mind work or defense defensive coordinator work like last week um anyway i'm ranting now i'm spitting spittle came out on my computer um uh, i still haven't really i mean the, I, 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 i'll tell you what the Purchase solution, though, about at least putting our best pass rushers out there, not trying, not worrying about subterfuge, about zone zone blitzes and guys dropping back and who's who's coming and all that business. It's true. It's like, man, put put our four best guys out there. If you want to rotate in a guy like Hargraves and Matthews, I'm down with that. I think that's a fine idea. I just don't. I could never see Jarvis Jones or and I I I, I mean I actually appreciate that he's. He's trying hard. And he knows where he's supposed to be, and I also don't really care to see Moats much anymore. And I, you know, 
haven't seen anything out of Chicolo that makes me think, you know, that we should be turning over the reins to him anytime soon. Um, you know, less than a one trick pony. So if, if that's what we're going to get, then oh sure on base downs, if you want to play, you know, a little bit heavier and have a little three, four look and mix it up some, um, you know, sure. Fine. But when it comes to pass, obvious pass situations like the third and longs that have killed us for more than a decade, uh, whenever the team's not right. And it just feels like it's a Super Bowl year whenever we can stop somebody on third and 17. So in that case, you know, bring me, bring me the rushers and that are the good rushers. And let's not try to like, you know, bandy about playing time to a whole bunch of guys who can't play. Um, yeah, I mean, it just I, there's no reason if it's a passing down to have Jones or Moats ever in the game to rush the passer. It was one of your four main guys. Period. You know, get him out of there. <laughs> just, I was going to say, do you think they really need coverage? I, I don't. You know. You know, I I think Jarvis, if just as a standard, say four three outside linebacker, even if they moved him to inside linebacker, I think he could be an average starter in the league in that position. As an edge rusher, he's a he's a bust. He's nothing. I think in coverage and playing the run, I think he's average. You know, I'm not uh, as down on him as you guys are. I'm not saying well, he's I'm a good really player. I'm not really down on him. I think he's phenomenal at certain things. I just think that the worst part of his game is rushing the passer, and it's just not something yeah, he can exactly. do. Exactly. So, I mean, football IQ wise, oh, he's at the top of the charts with our linebacker overall. All of our linebackers, I'd probably say, probably put him second behind Harris. I mean. So we talk about Lawrence Timmons with his contract being up. Sure. We all we've all followed Jervis long enough to remember when he was uh, the next big thing at inside linebacker at USC. Sure. I mean, maybe that's his long term position. Maybe I, they, I you know, like James thirty and forty yards and zones at the University of Georgia. I mean, yeah. making plays on the ball. I mean, he's. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that that he'd be far more confident inside, and I think because he would have success. Success breeds confidence. I mean, but, uh, but does, I mean, like, does he look as fast now as he did when he was in Georgia? Because I think that's a problem. You move him to the inside. Fast in the NFL moving. as they do in college. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but um, I think he's plenty quick enough. I, I, I think that he processes information very quickly. What I think that has occurred a little bit with him is he's had so many concepts and so many things thrown at him. You know, because, you know, hey, we're a cover three team. No, we're a cover, you know, zone blitz team. No, we're, you know, a three, four over team. Nah, we're, you know, we're leaning more towards the nickel. So I think that over five years, he's had, you know, three or four different directives given to him. I think he's sustained three injuries. And I think that instead of just playing football, I think that he at times gets caught just having to think through things a little bit more than he should at this point. Do I think that, Jarvis Jones may leave the Pittsburgh Steelers and have a solid career. He'll never be great. Could I see him, you know, moving along to, you know, a, a, a different team? You know, most likely a four-three team, and you know, having a decent career. Sure. I think that there's talent there. I think that the Steelers have failed to capitalize on that talent. Um, I think that the Steelers have tried to, you know, punch that square peg in that circular hole whenever it came to Jarvis Jones, and uh, you know. It happens. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, the, the Stewards aren't the first team to do that, but, you know, to five years continuously trying the same role without even attempt, attempting to move him inside or attempting to put him in positions where he could be more successful, I think that is all coaching. I think Joey Porter is an absolute horrible fucking linebackers coach, and I think he should be fired after the year. 
I mean, it's just because it's the Steeler way or because he played like a Steeler. doesn't mean he can coach a lick. Most great or good players are horrible coaches. Mike Munchak is a perfect example. Horrible coach. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, all those guys. He's a horrible coach. I, I, I look at players, and they've fucking evolved, you know, playing for the Steelers. Carnell Lake, holding on by a thread, by a string. I don't think he's a good coach. He was basically fired from UCLA, but he can come on and coach the Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, I know, he left UCLA. He basically was fired from UCLA. Yeah, uh... You're like, wow, I like this. This is caustic. We need more losses. Well, you know, you know, can't complain like, whenever the team's winning. So whenever no, the no, loss, last, um, last week was a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, last last week's show was a little bit like, yeah, looking pretty good. I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> oh, I got a lot. It's just I don't want to be that asshole that's complaining when we're winning. You know. Whenever you, after you get up that first loss, then the vitriol can come out and you can move along. This will probably be our most negative podcast of the year, until we if unless we lose in the playoffs by some ridiculous way. Let's say like our four street run, four string running back fumbles the fucking ball and we lose to Denver. Yeah, you know. Well, you know what's funny is that I just not too long ago, a couple of months ago, uh, was moving some. The storage files around, and I list. I I found the podcast that we did after the last Philly game, um, and it's a real treat, man. I'm I might I'm gonna try to like uh, put it in the podcast because it's a it's just like this basically. <laughs> just I'm different. Give anybody a note? If the next time the Steelers play Philadelphia in Philadelphia, bet on the Eagles. I don't care how big of a favorite the Steelers are. I mean, that 19, I think the last time they won in Philadelphia, I don't even know if you were alive, Will, and your ass is old. Um, it was like 19, like 61 and shit. Last time they won in your high school. I, I was, but only barely. Yeah, I was 65 or something, I think they won there. So, uh, yuck. Um, you, any desire to talk about this week's game? <laughs> Tons. Tons. I think that we right, matched so- up. Worse with the Kansas City Chiefs than we did with the uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles on paper the week before. Trust me, I was going to go comment. Dosh, you did a great thread. I loved it. I didn't want to pollute it. <laughs> That's why I didn't comment inside of it. Oh no, no, no. It's all understood. Well, um, you know this this week's matchup with Kansas City. A, I I think I agree with you that it's a worse matchup. Uh, I think on paper. I, I mean, I I would say that I the two quarterbacks, the opposition quarterbacks. You know, one has a real experience advantage, and the other one I think is better. Um, but uh, you know, but overall, the, the the big difference is that Kansas City has way more of a running game. Philly has no running game to speak of, really, um, which is which is definitely a concern for this matchup. And the, and as Perch mentioned earlier, the injury situation. You know, even in the most optimistic view, the injury situation. I guess uh, uh, Shazier is probably out, and oh, uh, definitely out. Yeah, he's definitely yeah, out. Yeah, Ro- Rodgers is definitely out, too. Did you guys, okay, did you guys catch who the starting strong safety is this week? For the Steelers? Yeah. Well, I heard Jordan, Jordan Dangerfield was talking Dangerfield. about it. No, Well, no, yeah, that's exactly that's... who ran today is a starting strong safety was Jordan Dangerfield. I mean, that's yeah. <laughs> a, a, practice, I... a career practice squad guy is uh, ready to step up and be the starter this week. Yeah, although although I don't know that's really going to happen. Buried us on this. The one thing I'll say about him this year in the preseason, he absolutely looked to annihilate 
every single person that was put in front of him. I can live with that. I can live with someone that is going to make errors just going instead of just being stupid. You know, if you're going full bore and you get beat or if you get trucked, I'll be pissed. But at least I can say you competed. And, uh, and I guess I would say the one thing the one thing he can do is come downhill, hit and tackle. And if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, that might be a bigger plus than having Sean Davis's deep coverage ability. Which, oh, which yeah, I mean, Davis, Davis can't tackle. That's that's the thing. But I mean, what what's this say about Shamarco Thomas? That he's that far down the depth chart. Hanging on. I mean, he's a you know special teams. He must it's be really exactly good at special teams. But that's yeah. I mean, I I just don't think uh, I'm not even sure I would rather have Shamarco Thomas on the field than, than Jordan Dangerfield. And I'm not a really fan of either. And you know, I liked Shamarco Thomas. And I'm not even a big Dangerfield fan. But that almost feels better to me. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know where you go. This whole thing. The biggest difference between this week and last week is um, Philadelphia probably has three to four borderline Pro Bowl offensive linemen. And the Kansas City Chiefs really don't have none, <laughs> so that's that's the that's the saving grace for this week. Yeah, my yeah I mean, Alex Smith has been sacked nine times already this year. I mean, you got the resistible force and the you know the movable object against each other. <laughs> Steelers match. I was, was going to say that, like for my little weird prediction, I was going to predict eight sacks for the Steelers this week. How about that? <laughs> yeah, I, I think they. I think you know, optimistically, they might get two. Might get a half. Yeah, one and a half, too. Yeah, like that. <laughs> exactly. They'll manage to figure a way to do it. Yeah, we've we faced some pretty good offensive line talent so far this year, so maybe we'll feel like a little bit like a week, like playing our own offense in the in practice. Um, the, how far is James Harrison away from the Steelers' all-time sack record? Isn't he just one away? Three. He's either three away or he's uh, two and a half away, and three gives him the outright lead, one or the other. I mean, he's got some. Hit. I think Eric Fisher is going to be a little overmatched in that matchup. But, you know, a little, uh, yeah. so maybe if this is the week Harrison. You know, it's, it's a prime time Sunday night game. All the times Harrison's gone nuts and, and busted out three sacks. Maybe he breaks that record in this game. There's my bold prediction for the end of the show. Harrison gets three <laughs> sacks and, and breaks Jason Gildon's record. There you go. Mark it down. Credit me next week if it happens. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it very well could be. I'm not sure. I mean, this. You know, the uh, just you know going back to the injuries again for a second. Um, you know, on offense, I, I mean, I, I, it has to be a run-heavy kind of a plan, doesn't it? I mean, if they don't come out with a run-heavy plan against Kansas City, it's going to take us back to the Cleveland game in the super cold where they couldn't move the football because I just don't know that they have the players to match up uh, without Eli Rogers. You know, then then you're talking about Marcus Wheaton. A guy who hasn't even really practiced that much for a month is now going to be your your slot receiver or your number two. No, 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 no. I have a yeah. feeling that twenty six is going to be your slot receiver. A good deal of the game. Yeah, I mean, let's hope let's hope that they, you know, that they can do that. I guess that makes sense. I, I'd rather. I, I I actually am looking forward to twenty six in this game because I, just have yeah, a feeling. I, I think that's I think that's what we'll be talking about next week is. I expect 30 targets for Bell between handoffs and passes. I expect him to get 150 just, yards. Yeah. He's going to be absolutely overused this game like you've never seen before. He's going to run the ball 25 times. He's going to catch five passes. 
Tomlin's going to run him till the wheels fall off, and he's going to make up for the first month of the season of not using him all in one game. <laughs> Could be. And the uh, Chiefs, I, 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 everyone gets scared when you look at the names on paper. And if you so over the last, I'm a Chiefs. I don't want to say fan, but. I look at their roster, and I, they've always been a team that somewhat intrigued me. I felt that they underperformed a little bit towards the end of last year, actually a lot. And, the, like, everyone, Marcus Peters jumps out. Very good corner. I wanted to draft him. I think everybody on this podcast here wanted to draft him. He went before we could pick him. So be it. They're Ron Parker, too. their strong safety. Such a good player and was such a nice find. He went to a small school here in South Carolina, Newberry, and I liked him. I think he had like five or six sacks last year, four, I think four interceptions, five sacks last year, and like 90 solo tackles. He's a very good player. Um, kid out of Tennessee that had cancer is a very good player. But somehow, okay. some way, they give up points. And uh, I think that the Steelers, I think – the Steelers are going to be able to throw the ball. I do agree that we're going to be run heavy. I think we're, we might be run heavy because I think we might get out to a lead. Um, I I don't know. I have mixed feelings about this game. The Steelers could get rolled again, yet again, or the Steelers could have you know a classic you know bounce back performance under Tomlin. And you know, Perch made a very good point. That's Primetime games, James Harrison, you know, through his career in Pittsburgh has really been a star. And uh, I remember Ben having a couple decent Sunday night games. I remember a six-touchdown performance in there. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I well, think the team has got too much veteran leadership and too much pride. Even though they're going to be shorthand, they've got some, some serious flaws on the team. They've got a bunch of injuries this week. It's a home primetime game on a Monday or a Sunday night. And these guys, Tomlin's obviously riding their ass this entire week. All the veteran leaders on that team have got to be just steamed. You could see Hayward, it was coming out of his ears, just trying to talk post-game. These guys were embarrassed. I, the Steelers don't get beat like that two, two times in a row. I think they're going to just come out and, and outperform you know, everybody's expectations this week. Who's going to start at running back for the, for the Chiefs this week? They, they actually have a few, few injuries themselves. Yeah, I haven't. I've been following their injury report. I have. Um, Jamal Charles actually was very limited once again in practice. That was my one concern: is somehow he decides to come back this week versus us, and you know, uh, he's whatever healthy. And then he's right; he was a dynamic playmaker. He was like Chris Johnson, where he could score, or Willie Parker, where he could score from anywhere on the field anytime. But I don't think he's going to be able to go. So, you know, they, their one backup, I believe, West is injured. So they're down. Yeah. So, you know, Travis Kelsey, obviously fantastic athletic tight end. And uh, Jeremy Macklin is is probably, you know, there goes their two targets really in the passing game. I don't want to sell, you know, Chris Conley or anybody else short, but, you know, Jeremy Macklin's Jeremy Macklin. He's, you know, pretty good player. Pretty good player. Kelsey is, I think, a little bit more hype than substance so far, but the tight end position in the NFL is just such a 
up and down type thing. You know, Jimmy Graham's done. Jimmy Graham has two touchdowns and a higher charge receiving last week. Jimmy Graham is back to being a top three tight end in the NFL. You know, yeah. Rob Gronkowski's done. You know, Rob Gronkowski's back's just getting healthy. And just at the same time, Brady's going to be back. And I have a <laughs> feeling he's going to be pretty decent. So, Well, I'll tell you a couple of things. I, what I do know from following the Chiefs um, is Demetrius Harris has actually made a push on their team. He's he's now their number two tight end, and they they've given him quite a few looks this year. Just had a he had a nice touchdown last week. Um, this is somebody to, to watch out for. But but Spencer Ware, to me, is yeah. like, I, you know, if Spencer Ware is healthy, they're fine because <laughs> they still you know if they have Spencer Ware and, and Spencer Ware, Niall Davis, and a partial Jamar Jamal Charles, they're going to be okay in this game as far as running the football because those those guys are pretty good. They're very deep at, at running back. Um, Although, as you know, pointed out, if your offensive line sucks, I don't know how good any of those guys are. And you got to remember, uh, if you if you want to go by your combine numbers and your spark and your explosive, Kansas City's got the most athletic quarterback in the NFL. It's not even close. Right you know, not Colin Kaepernick, not Cam Newton, not Ben Roethlisberger, Alex Smith. When you hey, by the way, the numbers. Ben Roethlisberger and athleticism. You know, every year they say he came to camp in the best shape of his life, but if I'm not mistaken, he's actually run for a first down a couple times in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it didn't even look like Frankenstein the last time he ran. That was kind of nice. No. <laughs> you know, there's some of those times where he's moving, and it's like it, it looks – you feel you could feel the pain uh, just through the TV screen of watching the guy trying to lift those big old legs up and lumber down the field. But he actually looked a little bit limber uh, in the last couple of times he's run the ball. That hot yoga and hot Pilates, the shit works. I like to make fun of it, but it works. Didn't you have a date with hot Pilates once? I, I, I believe I got an STD from it. <laughs> For hot Pilates. Well, um, I was thinking about skipping our uh, pick segment as a, as a fuck you to the NFL, Roger Goodell, and uh, Aqib Tlaib's mom. Um, but, you said that, not uh, me. That bitch will be showing up with a gun. <laughs> uh, maybe we go on and just actually try to uh, give our prediction for what's going to happen in this week's game. Um, I'll start with you, Perch. I think the Steelers bounce back. Like I said before, I just, I just think there's too much pride amongst the players. A home game, prime time, after they just got completely embarrassed. I expect some of the guys that we don't think are, you know, the greatest players in the world to play way over their heads. I expect them to... Uh, then don't break on defense more like they did the first two weeks instead of just breaking and breaking and breaking like they did last week. I think there will be some points scored on uh, on both sides, but I'll take Steelers 24, Chiefs 20. All right. Uh, FC? Um, as sour and nasty as I am, I have a feeling that quite a few players and uh, coaching staff members, probably Mr. Tomlin himself, was in similar type spirits. Um, this five, maybe six starters out this week uh, doesn't bode well. Um, I just have a feeling um, it's going to be not your classic Steelers-Chiefs game. Games in Pittsburgh Sunday night, um, Le'Veon Bell coming back. Um, I'll take the Pittsburgh Steelers 23 nothing. Whoa! 
Wait, have we ever had a prediction of a shutout in, in this? <laughs> After they I, just gave up 34 points, he comes back with the shutout. I, I like it. But but have we even e- ever, let alone after after a game where they give up 34 points? I'm not sure. No. If after the third defensive we route, we're going for the shutout. I, I love it. It's been a really long time. I, I would guess it's been since like 2008 that we had a prediction. Wow, that is bold. That is bold stuff. I don't feel nearly as bold now, but I I do think uh, it's a it's a Sunday night game. This team is particularly under Mike Tomlin has been great on Sunday night at home on Sunday night. They might be undefeated. If they're not, they have like one loss. Uh, and I just feel like it's a bad week to be a Kansas city chief after a team goes through that and has as much talent as the Steelers do. And getting bell back is, you know, even, even if it isn't that big a talent upgrade, it's just going to feel like a big talent upgrade uh, that they have their shiny toy back and their boy back in the huddle. Um, still, I think it's a run-heavy game. Might keep the score down just a little bit. And uh, I don't think Kansas City is going to muster much except for a few field goals and maybe a late touchdown. Uh, I like the Steelers 27-16 uh, in the football game. I, you know, I might not have liked them as much if they didn't get killed last week, actually. In a way, I think this might be a little bit of a kick in the pants for them. Um, I'm sure if you're a, a young defensive back for the Steelers uh, and you, you went through last week that – the last thing that you really want to do in this game is fail to tackle somebody when you have the opportunity. And I have a feeling tackling is going to be like a life or death scenario for Steelers defenders this week. So if that's the case, I, I find that attention on that tends to be pretty good, leads to pretty good results. Um, even though we didn't do a pick segment, um, who will be the next AFC North team to lose? I'll, I'll, I'll give you the final thought with that. Perch. Is it? Uh, I'll, I'll limit it to this. We're assuming Cleveland's going to lose. Um, the Ravens, the Ravens have like a kind of a soft schedule the next couple of weeks. The Bengals are at home, but it is a primetime game, and they suck in primetime games. Um, take a stab for me, Perch, as your final thought. Uh, read me who the heck these guys are playing because I don't. I know Baltimore's got like Miami, and who, who's who they have after that? No, Cincinnati has Miami on Thursday night, and. Uh, yeah. Cleveland Bengals. has Redskins and Washington. You so who does Cincinnati have the, the two games after Miami? Oh. Uh, now you're asking me. I, I shouldn't have asked you so complicated a question. Jeez. Well, hell uh, yeah. How am I supposed to know if you don't know? <laughs> I mean, okay, if you're playing on. like, they could be playing the Pennsylvania School of the Blind and Deaf. Right. Put me down for Baltimore yeah. just because uh, they're going to lose sooner or later. Cincinnati has Dolphins and the Cowboys the next two week, two weeks. Excuse me. Uh, and the Ravens, uh, the Ravens have like the little Oakland's gonna, What time is that game against Oakland? Is it a one o'clock game? The one o'clock in Baltimore. I I they always, yeah, they always get the West Coast teams at one o'clock. We seem to never do it. I don't know. I think Oakland the only East Coast team that plays a lot of four o'clock games is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because uh, there's a classic two o'clock rain shower in Tampa Bay every day, and they like to avoid that. I'm just. Yeah from my days yes. gambling. And of I, course I, believe the Gi- that, I believe Baltimore has the Eagles coming up pretty soon, don't they? Either in the next two Baltimore, weeks. No, Baltimore has, uh, let's see, they have uh, Raiders, Redskins, Giants, Jets, and then the Steelers. I think the Giants will beat the, the Ravens, so I'll answer that. I'll take Baltimore will be the next team to lose. <laughs> I think I Bengals think so. are going to actually get a little push from uh, Perfect being back, and they're a one-and-two team. So if they lose, you know, if they, if they fall behind to the Steelers or to 
anybody by two games. I, 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 they're Cincinnati. You know what I mean? I know, but they're they're also it's it's an Andy Dalton led Cincinnati team playing a primetime game. Guys, come on! Right. I, I'm, if you said JJ Watt, I would be I'd be there. Or excuse me, they're playing Miami this week. Um, yeah. That's possible. Tannehill's like ugly, but he's athletic, and you know Devontae Parker, and Landry, you know they and they got running back by committee down there. Jordan Cameron's out, but I mean it's very possible that the Dolphins knock off the Bengals on Thursday. Yeah, I, I'm kind of that's that's what I was uh, sort of I was I was set it up on a tee for you. I I feel like uh, right. I. I I like the Dolphins. The Dolphins are also I've seen, desperate. I've seen the Dolphins a couple of times this year, and I'm just been like, "Wow, they're not good." <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, well, wow. the, the first week, the first week they looked pretty good. I mean, they went out to Seattle, and it's just like that's a kind of a no-win scenario, and they made it close anyway. But I, I mean, you got to. I mean, despite what they did last week, Seattle. If you're a Seahawks fan, which you're a little bit of one, and I can understand that, you know, it's the second two out of three games. Russell Wilson looked like his season was ended. That offense yep. line's a big time problem, and you know the the the, the Jimmy Gra- Jimmy Graham success that manifested this week, and there's no doubt it did happen. But the reason, part of the reason why it happened is you took away from the protection for <laughs> your quarterback to get your tight end open, um, because you know they were able to split him out in a slot, which you know let the pass rusher take a wider rush against those very very poor tackles. So it's you know, it's a rub, the classic rub situation. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I just feel like they. I'm gonna cheer for the Dolphins on Thursday. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course we are gonna cheer for them, but yeah, I, I just feel like the Ravens. The Ravens have. Let me put it uh, this way: I think it's about a fifty-fifty chance that they lose. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah, still pretty good. All right, I lied. I'll give you a last word, Perch. Uh, let's just say this. Let's hope that uh, last week was an aberration and not a premonition of what's going to come for the rest of the season because a lot of people are going to lose their freaking minds if uh, the Steelers regress this year in, in the season. A lot of us thought that they had uh, a real good When he says a lot of people, so. he means that me, pretty much. But if yeah, I was this nasty yeah. this week, can you imagine two weeks, two losses two weeks in a row? <sighs> oh, okay. I guess I should okay. give my final word now here. Um, yes, sir. Hmm. Be the hammer, not the nail. That's that just seems too cliche. Um, just don't embarrass yeah. Pittsburgh. <laughs> How By about the way, that? You said it last week before last week's game. Just saying. Right. Be, be the hammer, not not the nail. Right. <laughs> I did, huh? Uh, I said we'll, we'll we'll scrap that one. That wasn't too much good luck. <laughs> um. How about this? I just want to hear Chris Collinsworth have to like utter like the phrase like the Steelers are back to being, you know, one of the favorites out of the AFC. It's just to, to hear Chris Collinsworth have to compliment the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's just like, it's a beautiful thing. So that's what I'm looking forward yeah. to. I just want to have to hear Chris Collinsworth kiss the Pittsburgh Steelers ass. Yeah, and you can you can tell it, it hurts him deep inside. Oh, it, it does. <laughs> well, uh, my final word is uh, – so this year for Sunday Night Football, you know, they're, they're, when they introduce players in, uh, in the beginning of the game, they show their pro football focus ranking, their positional ranking. <laughs> I, just wanted, I just wanted to point that out to you guys so you can have a good laugh when yeah, they introduce I, mean I got a feeling 
it's going to be bad. Ben's <laughs> is going to be about 18. So anyway, enjoy, fellas. Sunday night, long wait, but um, have a nice weekend. And I'll talk to you after a Steelers victory to get this taste out of our mouth. Oh, Steelers. Go get them, Steelers. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.